Welcome to the SJ Child Show, where a little bit of knowledge can turn fear into understanding. Enjoy the show. Thank you so much for joining the SJ Child Show. This is our 200th episode, and I just want to take a moment to thank each and every one of you for listening, supporting, and for those of you who check in with me and let me know you're listening, to Cherie and Mark, Dawn, Judy, I want to say thank you for your love and support. And for those of you who'd like to get a shout out, send a message to me. You can find me on Instagram at sjchildshow. Send me a DM. Hi, welcome to the SJ Child Show. Today, I'm really excited to get into this conversation with Rebecca Linney. And I met Rebecca through a podcast site for finding guests and her profile just really stuck out to me. And, you know, I love when you can make connections through in this medium, because um, obviously it'd be great to do it in person, but I'm sure that you're somewhere um, on another state. And so now we get to meet like this and it's wonderful. I'm um, Pacific, right? You're on the West coast. Yes. San Diego. Oh, wonderful. I'm in Salt Lake city. So okay. not too far away. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's fantastic. I bet you're having, well, are you having a lot of rain right now? How's yes. your, mm. yes. A lot of rain looking for some kind of credit on our property taxes. Cause that is not what we signed up for in San Diego, oh, yes. but uh, <laughs> we need it. We need it. So yeah. it's that fine line between where you need it and we welcome it and then being completely over it and wanting to move on. So. Exactly. Oh my gosh. We have snow. Well, we, yeah. or the snow is melted, but I have the same thing here for the snow, right? It's like, okay, I'm over this. Right. I, I, except I do live in Utah, so <laughs> suck it up. You kind of signed up for that. <laughs> exactly. Right? Signed up for it. I should, I was a lot younger. I really should have realized what I was getting myself into. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, it's great to have you here today. And um, yeah, let's just start from the beginning. Give us an introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you here. Sure. I am. Uh, I, I've lived in San Diego since I was about five. So I'm not a native, but I'm about as close as you get to one um, because we have quite a big military presence in, in San Diego. There aren't many natives, so I don't I don't feel like a fish out of water. <laughs> but, um, you know, I did the whole went away to college thing, came back, did the whole downtown living thing. So now I just live a little bit north of downtown San Diego up in North County, a city called Carlsbad. And I love it. Mm -hmm. And I live here with my husband and my son, who is now almost 10 years old and uh, became what I like to call an accidental author a few years ago when, when I had my book, my first children's book published. So yeah, that's, that's fantastic. How you and I connected. Sure. Yeah. And I, the same way, am an accidental author, you know, wrote a book to try to help the kids in my neighborhood understand my children that were neurodiverse mm -hmm. and give them kind of a heads up as far as kids being compassionate to them and, and understanding. And it, it's in that that you find, wow, this is value. And we, we have value here, folks, and we're, you know, bringing it and want to share it with others and help our communities grow. Tell us about your book and how that kind of changed for you as far as not just writing, you know, something for yourself, but really knowing it was going to change everyone. 
Sure. So my book's called The Growing Bed. It's a children's fiction book. However, it is based 100% on the reality that our family went through for about four years when my son would not sleep. He would not sleep anywhere except for where mom and dad were. So he would just sleep in our bed. And obviously, um, regardless of your views on co-sleeping and and things like that, when children are little, as they get older, it's just not good for anybody. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. From a developmental and a resting point of view, you know, it gives us all the good feelings. Don't get me wrong. Who doesn't love cuddling with the kids? But at the end of the night, uh, they need to sleep in their own bed so that they can grow and rest and recharge. And so that us as parents can do the same thing. Healthy sleep. Exactly. So that concept combined with the fact that my son um, is a little smaller than the average bear. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just like, he's what I like to call Ikea size. He still (laughs) is even at almost 10. Um, he was struggling with not being able to do a lot of things that a lot of his friends could do. He, he was still in a, um, in a, like one of those five point harness car seats instead of a booster seat. He couldn't ride the roller coasters or the water slides or things that his, his, you know, friends, his age or even younger were able to do, and he couldn't put two and two together. Mm-hmm. So in probably a sleep deprived state one night, I said to my son, I said, look, when you are in mommy and daddy's bed, you're not growing. When we go to bed, it's we're adults. We go to bed to relax and recharge. When you go to bed, you go to bed to grow. And it was like this light bulb moment for him. Mm-hmm. And I said, your bed is the growing bed. And it was just this concept that it was the one concept that stuck with him and resonated with him. And it didn't fix our sleeping problems overnight. Sure. Of course, but it was a marked change, a dramatic change in our family. And so we just kept using that idea, the growing bed, the growing bed. And then you know how it is with moms, you sit around the um, at the park or at pick up or drop off at school and you start sharing ideas and swapping and commiserating and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And I, I just had enough friends say, that's a really, that's a decent idea back. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try it. We're going to try it. And then that just kind of involved, uh, evolved into me writing it down and combining it with some pretty pictures and, and getting the book out there. I love that. Congratulations on that, Thank by the you. way, too. Yeah. And it's always so, like you said, I think I was reading on your thing, like this aha moment when you're like, yes, it's finally, this is, you know, makes sense. And um, our son is, we have a son and daughter about the same 11 and 13. So mm-hmm. I understand that 10 year phase. Yeah. Um, and for our son, he is autistic and he has global developmental delays, which for him looks like uh, still not being able to tie a shoe at 13. Still not quite being able to understand if his clothes might be on backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some really things that we take for granted as people. Sure. Um, sure. And in the process of of me helping him, understanding him and, and everything, there were um, about probably two years of really fighting the sleeping process, mm-hmm. really fighting. And in the sense that we had therapists coming every day, um, he had to be awake for certain hours or yeah. he should have been sleeping where, you know, and I started to recognize um, as I'm trying to, you know, use melatonin and things that I didn't really want to do. Like I didn't right. want 
to have to do those kinds of things. Sure. But sometimes you get put in a place as you probably know, you know, yeah. where you are kind of forced try anything. trying anything. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I really started to notice for ourselves and for our family that he was kind of sleeping on this pattern. And I started writing it down and recording and getting all this data and it started fitting um, the moon phases. And I started looking at the moon phases and looking at like his somatic behavior matched with the time of all of the chemical effects. And I looked into the chemical effects of the brain and I, you know, just did all of this research on kind of the moon phases and I started matching it up and I was like, bam, this is where he's at. I am not forcing him to sleep. He sleeps two weeks in the night, two weeks in the day. It's happened for now the last five years at least. And he's so healthy now, just like you said, like I had to follow his biological Mm -hmm. needs. It's not about what I think is the best time for him. Just like it's, you know, it's about his needs and what's best for him and for your child. Like they're, like you said, it's that growing process that he needed so badly for himself to Mm -hmm. be able to get that proper rest and that good sleep. And we take advantage of sleep as adults. Like we, we don't look at it as something so uh, maybe we do it's so necessary as we we know it is for our kids we know sure. we ha- we know they have to sleep like we don't want delirious kids running around <laughs> right, you know right. they don't they already don't know how to make the great decisions we don't want them delirious and really confused about their decisions right but in that as well as i um can definitely say the um physiological effects of you know, the weariness or the, just the lack of, um, attention, being able to focus all of the things that would happen when I would force sleep on him to do these societal hours of sleeping. And then I finally was like, no, giving it up, you know, society, sorry, this is the Bradford home stay out or come in, do our rules. <laughs> right? Right, right. So, and you really have to just give yourself grace as a mom oh, as gosh. A parent sometimes in doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But it was great that you recognized that what was quote unquote, the right thing as far as a sleep schedule was not working for not just your family, but for and you, you have two children. So what worked for one child didn't work for the other child. Exactly. And you, and it's hard for us, I think, as parents to let go of that. Well, it's not supposed to be this way, right? Yes. It's supposed to be, or Sally's kid does this and Tommy's kid does that. Why is my kid not doing that? Yeah. You know? And, and you really leaned into following, um, however, uh, unique that sounds that his sleep schedule coordinated with the moon phases, like, thank goodness you put two and two together. Cause I'm sure in your house, it was a game changer as well. Game changer. I mean, it helped with diet changes with, you know, and not diet changes, but just with his overall, like eating better food, just everything. Yeah. And water is his only intake. So thank goodness on that one. That's been the blessing. Um, and also in the process, I was able to see, um, my husband, uh, was undiagnosed, um, for years. He had an ADHD and a dyslexia diagnosis as a child, but he was, I realized when he was about 38, that he was on the spectrum and I brought it to him and I was like, Hey, guess what? You know, I have this information for you. Yeah his sleep cycles, the same thing, these crazy, like 
six hours of sleep, 16 hours awake, whatever it was, you know, these. Sure. but it was always like random times of day, random times. of. And I've been with him for 20 years. Like I've been watching this guy sleep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And why was it okay that he could sleep whenever and had all this um, independence to do all this, but we sure. require all these rules for our kids to follow. Mm. They're going to be adults someday. They're going to make their own rules and decide. So give them the guidance now to find out what that looks like for them in making their own independent rules. Right. Then they'll be comfortable making them for themselves in the future. And they won't feel like, I don't know how to make a decision. My mom didn't tell me what I should do today. So, you know, and really fostering that independence. And, and that's what your son is getting in growing in his own way is that independence too. And I'm sure that he started to feel that in the process. Sure. And again, and like, you know, like I said, it didn't change his sleep behavior overnight, but it did make a very significant change and it instilled habits that we still use to this day. I mean, he's almost 10 now, so he is a a good sleeper, but we, you know, we, this was a, this was a concept we could take with us anywhere. When we went on a vacation and we were in a hotel, the first thing we would do when we walked into a hotel room is we'd look at the two beds and we'd say, okay, buddy, which one is the growing bed? And he would pick which of those two was the growing bed. So my husband and I were like, yes, all right, that's the bed he's going to sleep in tonight. And we still do that today at at almost 10 years old. The concept would go when he went to grandma's house, you know, he could, um, he would, you know, set his growing bed up and, and there's a little part of the book that shows how you can activate or turn any bed into a growing bed. Um, so I'll, yeah, I won't give that away. Yeah, welcome to show the cover or anything. But it's, it's, um, it's just a concept. It's one of those tools that we can add to our parenting tool belt, you know, like you touched on before, we've all been so tired. We would have done anything. If you had told me to bathe my kid in a pool of jello and he would sleep through the night, I would have said, what flavor, what color I'm in, (laughs) I'll do it. (laughs) You know, you just get so desperate and, uh, I, I just t- this was something that worked for us. It might not work for every family, but there's no there's no solution to any problem that works for everybody across exactly. the board, is there? No, no, and that's what we love about getting all these different bits of information and key sure. resources and keys because I've never, um, you know, heard the term "growing bed." I love that. I love that that idea and that. Um, freedom, it gives that child to be excited. And in that excitement comes a lot of self-empowerment and that curiosity to, well, let's see how much am I going to grow? And maybe even putting like a growth chart next to the bed or something you can measure and things. I bet that would probably be exciting for kids to do. Um, But yeah, that's really, it makes a big difference when we um, encourage uh, you know, positive patterns and behaviors rather than um, fighting against them, right? Because I think a lot of times parents don't, and newer parents possibly mm-hmm. don't understand mm-hmm. that having all the control and making all the decisions, it isn't doing your child like the justice they deserve in humanity, right. the dignity they deserve. Um, and really giving up that control and that idea that you have to make all the decisions and asking them what they know, 
finding mm-hmm. out where they're at. Like, sure. That's how we, they make you make connections with them. You foster and nurture relationships, and then you're able to to guide them and remind them, like you, you know, which bed are you going to to choose, and and they're apt to be more trusting in in that sure. you're looking out for their best interests and not right, just right. your own selfish, you know, right. whatever. And I think too, uh, a side lesson, if you will, kind of a bonus lesson that our family learned and that my son learned was that his actions have effect on, have consequences and have effects on other people. For example, when he would sleep with us the whole night and he wouldn't be willing to go into his bed, mommy and daddy didn't get to sleep well. And that made us sad and that made us tired. And I don't think there's a little kid in the world that wants to make mommy and daddy sad or wants mommy and daddy tired. So it almost is a a lesson in empathy at the same time. It was like a slipped in secret message, you know, (laughs) on how to, to, to realize that your actions, even as a child are affecting the whole family. So so important. Like a bonus lesson thrown. It really is too. And empathy isn't something that is an easy thing to teach. And I think that um, in some of us, it may come more innately than others. Mm -hmm. And for uh, those that need to be taught more, Mm -hmm. um, it's through, I think a lot of people say, you know, through the power of books and that expression of understanding how someone else is feeling and, and being able to show that, you know, this is really affecting someone else. And how does that make you feel? And being able to kind of co discuss those things. So important. Yeah, definitely. Oh my God. I have I had one friend who was like, well, I, you know, when you write a book, everyone all of a sudden's like, I want to write a book and I, I have a good idea for a book too. And so I had a couple conversations and one conversation was with a friend. She's like, oh, I want to write a cookbook, but there's so many cookbooks out there. I said, well, there are so many children's books out there, especially ones that deal with sleep from like actual doctors. I'm not an actual doctor. <laughs> you know? Like I'm, I, I don't like the phrase I'm just a mom, but I'm a mom who wrote a book about sleeping. You know? And exactly. yeah, and it just it goes to show that there's so many different ways to approach a problem, approach an issue, um, so many ways to solve it, and to really just trust your gut too as a parent and to kind of run with whatever idea works for you and your family without any fear of being criticized by other people. Because again, it might not work for everybody, but it, it worked for us. So it's going to work for someone else. I guarantee yeah. it. <laughs> oh, I agree. I remember the looks that the therapist gave me when I was like, this is the moon schedule. Do you see what I'm talking about? And she was mm-hmm. just like, you are on the moon, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, believe like, me, well, it fits. Me. this really <laughs> is. Yeah, right, right. I should have said that. Um, but it, it feels like, you know, yeah, sometimes you have to go with your gut. You have mm-hmm. to go with where your child is at and not Mm. like, like you said, not from, it doesn't have to come from a doctor or a therapist. Like if you can get a great idea from this wonderful book, then take it and use it in your family and Mm. see if it works for you. And like you said, there's not a one size fits all for any problem in any part of anything of the world or today in society. So you really have to just use all the resources you can. Absolutely. And yeah. And I think you do, when you do that, you're giving your family and your child the best kind of opportunities from that. Mm-hmm. It teaches everyone, not just the kids to, to 
not be afraid to think outside the box, to not be afraid to try something. If you try it and it works, splendid. If you try and it doesn't work, then you move on to the next thing you want to try to solve whatever obstacles in front of you. So, you know, it gives you that faith to be more versatile and experimental. And as long as you're moving towards the same goal, then just keep moving towards that goal. Absolutely. And how has your son, how has it been for him? How does he enjoy the book and feel? He he gets a kick out of the fact that he's a part of a book. Um, His school has been very supportive. It's been, they put it in the library. So it's got a, you know, kids can check it out, which to me is one of the most special things that's happened because it'll be there in his school library forever, you know? Um, But he, he gets quite a kick out of it. You know, now that he's a little older, he's like, Oh, I don't do that anymore. And I'm like, "Um, you would sleep in my bed every single night if I let you. (laughs) Let's not pretend you wouldn't. Uh, But no, he gets a big, he gets a really big kick out of it. I love that. What's next on the horizon? Any ideas coming up? What are you working on next? Uh, it's funny you say that because I never, again, I'm I, what I call an accidental author. I never set out to be one. It just kind of happened. And I'm so happy it did. But you know how when you're dating someone for a long time, everyone starts saying, well, when are you getting married? And then it's like, well, when are you going to have a baby? And then it's like, well, when are you going to have your second baby? So it turns out when you write a book, People start People asking, want to know what's the next book. <laughs> I'm like, let me have fun with this one. But um, that being said, I do, you know, I do have a couple other things that again have worked in the past for our family or are currently working for our family. And it's just a different, as awful as expression is, it's just a different way to skin a cat. And so it's, you know, it could work. Right now, my son really, really, really wants a dog. Oh. So bad. So I came up with this idea to incent him to have a dog, knowing that my husband and I don't want a dog right now, because let's be honest, who would be taking care of the dog? Mostly us. So I, <laughs> exactly. Four exactly. dogs later. Oh, oh my gosh. So we came up with this um, incentive program for him to say, if you know, if you do X, Y, and Z, then we'll talk about getting a dog and he's never gotten past X. So we're doing okay from, you know, my point of view, looks like we're not getting a dog anytime soon. And (laughs) a few people have said, well, that should be your next book, Rebecca. That's it. And, you know, I could see it, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying this, this book right now and, and um, promoting this book and spreading the word on this book and doing readings and and things like that. So I'm not in a hurry to do another one, but you Never say never. And you're doing readings and signings and things yes. like that. Is there, do you have a website we can go and, and find out where we can sign up for those things? Sure. Absolutely. Thegrowingbed.com is my website. And that's where you can go if you want me to sign a copy to anyone personally. Um, I write a little note in there and I can sign it to, you know, Susie or Johnny mm-hmm. or whomever. But if you don't want it, personalized, or if you want it in two days, we all know where you could go to, <laughs> to do that. Amazon, but also, you know, Walmart, Target, Barnes and Noble, anywhere you get your books these days, it is available. And um, any social media or anything? Do you want to- I am a bit old school. I don't do actually, I guess I'm not old school. I don't, don't do Facebook. I never, I don't get it. It's just, um, it's a poison I'm not willing to take right now, <laughs> but I am on Instagram at the growing bed. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure to go and follow you and support you. And I really appreciate your time today and the, you know, creative 
um, really valuable idea that you're sharing with the world and the community. Well, so thank, thank you. you. Yeah. I think the one thing us adults are always willing to sacrifice is sleep, whether we did, mm. we have to stay up late to do another load Absolutely. of laundry or stay up late, late to binge a show or get up early to, you know, put finishing touches on school projects or whatever. We always seem to sacrifice sleep and, and we need it just as much as the kids, if not more, because we need to be fully there for a game. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Thank you so, so much for being my guest today. I hope that, you know, we can stay in touch and um, yeah, I look forward to supporting you. Terrific. Thank Thank you. you.